Hello and welcome to the American Horror Story podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for the American Horror Story television show on the FX Network. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And tonight we're talking about episode 707, Valerie Solana's Die for Your Sins Scumbag. Colon Scumbag. Yeah, well, you know, colon's gross. Let's not um, let's not take it scatological this early in the podcast. Cecily. Ever since I found out the title of this episode, it has really bothered me. Why? Because that title doesn't make any sense. Valerie Solanas died for your sins, colon, scumbag. Yeah. Like, it's a subtitle? It should be scumbag, colon, the Valerie Solanas dying for your sin story. It's it's, it's an unconventional sentence structure. Yeah, that just bothers me a lot. I don't know what the message there is. Valerie Solanas died for your sins, maybe in quotations, maybe semicolon scumbag? But they never use the word scumbag. Or in colon, episode. like if it's separating lists, it could be scumbag, douchebag, jerk off, asshole, you know. But yeah, she but they just, never. Like... She trailed. She, she had the stroke before she could get past that scumbag. <laughs> All right. Valerie Solano. She's actively having title. her stroke, and she says, I died for your sins, colon, scumbag. And then she didn't even get to come out. Uh, what did you think of this episode? I liked it. Um, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> 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 the episode alone on its own is fine. I think that uh, I just want to say something as a podcast. If every week you say you liked it and the only differentiating is the skeptical look on your face as you say it, it th- that doesn't come across to the listener. Like at a scale of like. All right, well, here's the thing. I don't know how good American Horror Story actually is. Uh-huh. But if we are going to just take it as a standalone look at American Horror Story and say, you know, it's got problems, but we're still here. Right. Then, yeah, this is a good episode. I think um, it's a great episode. There's a bunch of things that don't make any sense. Okay. But let's start with our first flashback. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I thought it was a great episode, and it's great because... It had an actually effective twist I didn't see coming. Um, arguably two twists I didn't see coming. And it taught me something about pop culture or history that I didn't know before. Like this this Valerie Solana stuff is fascinating and yeah. bizarre and weird. And what they did weaving into the show's mythology was very interesting and cool. And I was wrestling with like, well, this doesn't jive with what we found out about the Zodiac Killer and Hotel. And then they kind of made it all better in the end by having it be a bunch of bullshit. But then it's like, but what is the, what the hell is the motivation now? So like, I'm like, I know, I know none of this is going to probably pay off in a fascinating, interesting way. But for one episode that really had me, really had my head spinning and ringing there. Right. Okay. Uh, we start off June 3rd, 1968, and we find Lena Dunham getting, getting, uh, unenthusiastically fucked in the back of somebody's car. She asks for 10. Uh, he gives her five, which I've been watching. Uh, I've been watching the deuce and I don't know if, uh, I don't know if there's just like massive inflation to happen between 68 and 72, but, but that's, that's, that's bottom. That's bottom of the barrel. Yeah, it really is. That's bot. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm seeing 20, 30 for a blow J in, in the deuce. She's getting five for a uh, for uh, a presumably half and half. Yeah, as they call them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all the street lingo too. It's great. Yeah, uh, it, half and half. It's not just for coffees. <laughs> uh, so she takes that five dollars and uh, translates it to bullets. Uh, we find out 24 hours earlier she had had a provocation with Andy Warhol, mm-hmm. a famous painter of Campbell soup cans. Uh, and I, you know, like he's iconic for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, wants a, her, her script back, and I guess this is this is a historical account that they had a. She submits this uh, story uh, idea for a movie or play called Up Your Ass. Yes, and he, so Valerie Solanas did prostitute herself for money to make ends meet while she was still writing. Up Your Ass was the story that she wrote about, or a play she wrote about. A woman who is a prostitute who ends up killing a man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I guess Andy Warhol said that he, I guess a lot of his work at the time was borderline pornographic mm. 
before its time. Right. And especially police- pushing like like you know you know it's worse than pornography in the eyes of the mainstream gay pornography. Yeah. So like you know he's double plus ungood over here working these. Um, you know, strips that are shocking and obscene to the to the mainstream audiences at the time. Right. Uh, but um, the story is that the police would often come in and break up the shooting or like shooting like physically with the video shooting yeah. their um, their uh, movies. Yes. And Valerie Solanus's play that she submitted was so pornographic uh-huh. per Andy Warhol that he would refuse to shoot it and produce it for her. Mm hmm. But um, and then apparently he lost it. But in this episode, it seems like that they're making out Andy Warhol to be kind of a dick and a misogynist. And I did some research because I honestly didn't know either way, and I haven't. You know, I I probably if I wanted to come up to an official conclusion on this, I'd have to read several official and unofficial biographies and do a lot of history. But in the little reading, there was a lot of support to this because even his friends that adored him said that, like, well, you know, public Andy was a little bit abrasive and out there and offensive, and that was kind of his thing, and that was, like, him, like, challenging the world. And, like, if your friends are saying that about you, it's probably a good bet that people could take you as an asshole. And he had some problematic relationships with the women that he called his muses. Um, I did watch that movie um, called, I forget what it's called, about Edie Sedgwick, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's never been portrayed in a really great light. Uh-huh. In that story, he gets her addicted to heroin and then just sort of tosses her aside. Right. So, I mean, I'm sure he's got, um, you know, or although like, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm tiptoeing around this guy. Maybe because uh, he's he's a, he's a gay icon. I'm worried about being transgressive or a controversial whatever. opinion. Uh, progressive artists can are be controversial mass- people. Yeah, they can be. They turns out they can be massive assholes, and they can be hypocrites, right. and they can uh, pass that oppression along. So, I'm not I'm not saying Shit, it's not, a- but certainly this episode, in terms of this universe's take on uh, Andy Warhol, is that it's pushing that angle pretty hard. Right. And fun fact: while yeah. we're at this point, uh, the Up Your Ass script was found like years and years really? later, and they made a musical out of it. No kidding. Yeah. Did it get any kind of buzz or nah, reviews? just or? like community okay. thing. Uh, so she comes back uh, at some point after buying the bullets, and she shoots Andy Warhol uh, twice and misses, and then she shoots him in the gut. Um, yeah, I don't she, After she says she screams a whole bunch of stuff like, suck my dick, down with the patriarchy, a little mixed message there. Um, I thought that there was some like ele- like black comedy with the elevator. Yeah. Like like the long ride of her up, and she's kind of psyching herself up, and she gets there, and like, well, he's not here today, and she's got to go the long ride down. Well, apparently, this is a true account too. Really, is that she went to her uh, publisher's office, and that guy wasn't in that day, so she waited for, and this is just the account. She waited for three hours in that office, and then left and went to Andy Warhol's studio, and someone told her that Andy Warhol wasn't going to be in today. So she went up to the studio and they said, mm-hmm. he's not going to be here. So she left and waited <laughs> in the elevator until he got in. Okay. Okay. They made it seem like it was a little bit more happenstance. The other thing that I found out is I guess she shot two other employees or, or people at the factory as well. Well, she shot one other person. Oh, in the hip. Okay. And then went to shoot uh, Fred Hughes, Andy Warhol's and manager, a, okay, in the okay, head, okay. which she would have gotten a kill shot but, there, but, but the gun jam. The gun jam. So, uh, but it kind of kind of fascinating way to start the episode, I thought. But then, um, one more thing, which I think is interesting. No, I don't want to rush this along at all because I thought I was like, and and we're going to talk more about the Scum Manifesto. Like, I find this stuff really fascinating. Yeah. Um. They kind of rushed the timeline a bit here. The actual like shooting of Andy Warhol seemed to be exactly what happened. He was uh-huh. on the phone. He got shot through like the liver, spleen, lung. Uh-huh. And I was wondering how that angle was going to work. And yeah. I think they pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Plus that shit can ricochet off ribs and all kinds of crazy things can happen. Right. So this wasn't a direct result of Andy Warhol losing her script. Uh-huh. Because after that happened, she demanded money right. for it. And then he paid her to be in a movie. And then she started another movie of his. And it wasn't until a year later when, you know, she's obviously got these mental problems. She's got this new publisher who she signed, uh, you know, a 
tentative contract with that mm. basically she felt that being paid for her work and these people producing it gave them control over her life and her works. Right. Which it so does. That's why she went to the publisher's office. Probably maybe was going to kill him first. And then Andy Warhol just to try to regain right. control. Right. And you know, I mean, that's the thing. Clearly, you know, you can argue about what mental state she is in various parts of her career and writings. And it seems like also she came by honestly, because a lot of this stuff about, they talk about how she was passed around from her father to grandfather. That seems very accurate too. Right. Um, but she, we, she was having some brain, brain chemistry issues uh, at, at certain points. And, and because, you know, some of it, some of the stuff she says makes sense from a certain point of view. And like, if it's a satirical, but then a lot of stuff she was saying and doing like shooting people, uh, is pretty pretty hard to to understand. Um, shall we move on to modern day? Yes. Uh, it turns out Kai is maximizing this bullshit assassination attempt. All of our speculation about how much Meadow would be involved and how much Allie would be involved, it seems like it's squashed right away because Bev is saying that it's all pretty much Meadow. Allie's there, but no one's really sure why and what the connection is. Um, and we kind of like set that part. All the Allie stuff is kind of paused and put on the shelf for this week. We don't really ponder her much. And it shows like reactions from Kai being happy about winning the the city council seat and and uh, Harrison giving an interview establishing that Meadows' assassination was politically motivated. She hated hated people that voted for Trump. Um, Akai being excited about getting retweeted by Eric Trump. Uh, all, all pretty, all pretty funny. Um, so Bev is walking home or walking to her car and there is what looks like a witch in a cloak by her car. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I don't go for this theatrical bullshit. And then Frances Conroy reveals herself as Bebe, who is a former lover of Valerie. Mm Mm-hmm. And she goes, you're just a bullshit puppet that's lost your way. And you've rejected the natural or the natural order of things as men wanting women to dominate them and run them. And she says that the assassin assassination was a sham. And she says, meet me at the hotel room when you want to hear the truth. Intriguing. Mm. No? Plus, I'm always excited to see Francis Conroy. Yeah. Smoking a big fat cigar. Yep. <laughs> uh Bev goes to show to, to talk things over with Kai, and his house is overrun by blue shirts. So we went from zero to fifteen more cult members. I don't know how many. It's like a total fight club situation, right? And he's saying that these recruits came from all over the country: Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Birmingham. Shout out to our hometown. <laughs> uh, sit back. Uh, he he tells her to um, that she needs the the now they've they've come so far so fast. They need to sit back and and take a break. They need to institute this law and order they've been promised. And she goes, "Well, I thought our idea was to set the world on fire." This doesn't feel like sharing equal power. And he says, well, you just got to trust me. And she's like, oh, like Meadow did? And she's dismissed. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. And Harrison and the other blue shirts make her feel very unwelcome and uncomfortable. So, oh, was Harrison there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the head. He wasn't the... Uh, it's like, who's the... Who's the... Uh, um, not uh, Chaz Bono? Yes. That he was there, too. I saw that. It was him and Harrison, and they were, like, flexing on her, but then they're, black, they're, they're blacked up. They're backed up by the blue shirts. They're blued up by the blue shirts. Gotcha. I, why? Why is he doing this? Why I, would you make an enemy out of not only a reporter, a respected reporter in the community, but also, um, what does he say later? Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you turn away all these people who know very intimate details of what you're doing? Also, you just got elected to city council, and nobody's going to question why you have 20 people who all dress the same around your house all the time. I feel like it's on his brand, though. You know? It wasn't when he was running. Yeah. He's the pull my hair back in a bun, wear a suit guy. Yeah, but he's also, I just got assassinated, I need protection guy. And this feeds into the whole, you know, he's got a whole bunch of skinheads behind his back. I mean, wait, it's like. Wait, wait, wait. Are you part of this cult? No. <laughs> Whose side are you on? <laughs> I'm not. I'm saying that, like, I okay. What I'm saying is, the people saying. voting for Kai, I think, could be led along this garden path pretty easily. It seems to me. Uh, yeah, because any other opposition he gets gets killed. Well, not only that, but just like you know, they they uh, his thesis is that they are afraid and they want to feel safe, and Kai's making them feel safe and heard, and they are 
ready to excuse any kind of crazy, like like obvious, like this is an analogy for brown shirt Nazi kind of bullshit, and people look the other way because well he's our guy. Mm-hmm. I mean I think this is part of the the satire that he's doing this season. Um, so I more to your point, what makes it really fascinating is not only why is he starting this fight, but the fact that this all seems by design right that he is trying to militarize women against his own movement to then what i mean declare martial law on the female sex like that that might actually be what what they're going for i maintain and have since the first episode that he is operating under the chaos theory yeah he's just stirring everyone up to fight each other. He's little just fingering wants it. wants to see the world burn. Right. No, he's not little fingering it. Little finger... He's not little fingering it. Little finger has a goal. Uh-huh. He's trying to, you know, move pawn pieces like a chess game. He's trying to move up and... But that's what Kai is doing, too. Like, I think Kai sees himself as, as president or on the president's panel or something. Like... This this city council thing seems like it's a it's a way stop on the way. Now I I don't really know what his in game is, and the show hasn't been forthcoming. But I mean that's what I'm saying is the right. whole you know the no, no end game, no exit plan. You're just going to see what bigger and badder things you can accomplish. Like one day you're gonna hide your parents upstairs in their room and let them decompose, and then you're gonna run for city council because some guy there just happens to be a seat open, and right you're gonna. Well, there didn't just happen Ostracize, to me. You're gonna <laughs> he ostracize. murdered a guy to get the seat open. <clears throat> right, but it was only because that guy pissed him off. Is it? Yeah. Huh. I think so. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, how I much don't think is... he he planned on going in to propose action to the city council. I don't think he planned on that guy humiliating him and yeah. then killing him so he could get that seat. Well, see, that goes it's back to a, a popular kind of liberal theory about Trump's presidency, which he decided to run for president the night Obama humiliated him at the uh, at the uh, the press uh, – what is that? The, the press correspondence dinner? Yeah. And, like, he seed about that. and like, well, I'll fucking show you. So it's like I wonder from – uh, Murphy's perspective, whether he sees tr- as Kai as a schemer and a long-term planner as or as purely reactionary, because both of those interpretations probably could look uh, true from a certain perspective. Right. So Bev has heard enough of this, and she's her interest in what uh, Bebe has to say is peaked, so she meets him at the hotel. Her. Uh, what? Did I say he? She. She meets her at the hotel. Um, I wouldn't correct you if it weren't so important this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's where we leave it. And then we see a, lean, uh, a scene where Ivy and Winter are discussing about how no one has seen Allie. And they're concerned about the sausage fest that's happened over at the, the Kai house uh, when Beverly talks and uh, uh, introduces Bebe to them. And she tells this tale about how, you know, history is full of men push, pushing women to the side and like history always changes but her story always repeats itself and she says that Valerie was the love of her life she was an intellectual an artist a writer and a visionary uh, and then at this point Winter chimes in and says I've heard of her in my women's studies in, Va- in, in Vassar she seemed pretty crazy and she goes oh the world was crazy she was the only sane one we flash back to the Chelsea Hotel in 67 which is pretty ironic since later in the episode She's the last to do it, but she still leaves her after she loses her mind. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean that's and then and how much can we trust that this what this baby character is saying right. too? Is she even Is that who even she her claims, real name? Is she even who she claims to be? Uh they roll right run down her life history that she's pregnant by her relatives twice by the age of fifteen. They talk about the scum manifesto. Uh, it shows Lena Dunham at various points actually reading lines from the real Scum Manifesto, questioning whether women start wars, if they are the ones polluting, raping, molesting. And they introduce us to the crew, the Scum crew. Uh, there's Hedda, the abandoned orphan. Now, I've, I don't, have we seen her since uh, Co- Coven? Jamie Brewer? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I was trying to think if she was in Freak Show. Maybe she's been in a but... one-off but, but I don't. Sh- yeah, she hasn't been in any. Uh, Loxie, the shittiest hooker in Manhattan. Martha, <laughs> the bisexual black pimp. Butchie May, 
uh, on the run for killing man, men down south. And Bruce and Maurice creeps homosexuals that she makes say that they are turds and worthless before they can join the men's auxiliary. Now, I, I, in, and I guess the real story is that when she would read these scum manifestos, like 40-ish people would show up, but they were almost entirely creepy men. Really? Yeah, according to Valerie's own statements on uh, that were quoted on Wikipedia that I read. Oh wow! So they're like fictionalizing all this, of course, and making it making it more interesting. Uh, why can't they make a role for Russell Edgington? Why couldn't Russell Edgington be Butchie May? I know. As soon as I saw those two turds show up, I was like, "That's oh it!" Oh my we're god, get... that could have been. And Dennis it's not O'Hare. too late. It's not too late. You're those right. Those people aren't dead. You're right. Uh, they just got stabbed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they moved to San Francisco because that's where the culture was. And and Valerie asserts that wars need martyrs. And she announces the new uh, phase of couple busting where they're going to punish men who are using uh, – or women who are using men as a way for to attain comfort and status and success. Um, and they await – to await their signal. And her shooting Andy Warhol apparently was the signal to start all this couple busting. So, essentially, they retcon, or Bebe tries to ret Bebe, baby, baby, uh, Bebe. They try, they try to retcon that the acts of scum are the actual Zodiac killings. Right. And they show several of these, like, Lover Lane incidents reenacted. And Winter calls bullshit on this. It's like, hey, I, I know... Hey, I've seen... The- the season of Hotel, I know that the Zodiac Killer is real in your mind, Ryan. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, but this sends, like, you know, this this sends the 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 uh, Valerie in further into, like, you know, Looney Tunes territory because, like, men can't even give women credit for being vicious murderers. Right, but what did she expect to happen if she wanted the kills or the killings to be anonymously done? Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to put her stamp on it. Right. But she doesn't want anyone else to take credit. Right. I don't understand what she... I mean, she's outraged that a man would take credit for something that isn't his, even though history is replete with that (laughs) happening. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um... But anyway, yeah, I I guess that's the thing. There's a scene where, um... She's calling from the hospital where mm-hmm. she's being and like she's directing all this stuff from from her her hospital room. She's in a, a criminally insane asylum. And that's the other thing. She got a three year term for for shooting for for shooting two people and, 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 and attempting to shoot a third person. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that itself says something about how, how society sees women. Like, oh, exactly. you little, you crazy little lady trying to cause all this ruckus. You get into that cell for three years and we'll let you out because we don't know what to do with you, you well, rascal. Well, here's what's worse. is she. Well, she spent one year in the psychiatric hospital before yeah. they deemed her fit to stand trial for the ki- for the shootings. And she got a three-year sentence. She only served one year of it. Wow. Um, and there she is. She's back on the street. Um, I guess the real Valerie Solanus was in and out of mental institutions for the rest of her life. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then... The, the thing I had to question is, like, at this point, Bebe says that she sounds crazy. She started sounding crazy, and but yet nice. I didn't detect a, a, any change from the rhetoric that was happening. Right. Um, so she made her way back to the group in 73 after she got out of prison, and she says, I was dead fucking wrong about men. Turns out, no, even ones that say they're a turd, there's no exceptions. She has this big show trial where she first accuses Maurice of taking the credit before actually stabbing Bruce, who did take credit for her. Like, yes, they're saying that Bruce is the Zodiac killer. And she says, tonight we have to carve out our purpose and the patriarchy. And they arrange the remains of Bruce in a tribute to the Zodiac killer sign. Yeah. Um, is it, and this is this must be a real lived. history. This must be a real crime scene, right? Like there would, there's no way they would find a dismembered corpse in, in a raid like the Zodiac Killer's symbol, and that wouldn't be remarked upon, right? I don't know. You know more about this true crime shit than I. That's what I'm asking. I don't really know much about the Zodiac Killer. Okay. I heard that Jake Gyllenhaal movie was really bad, so I kind of just avoided it all gotcha. together. Yeah, but that was that was uh, her. What did she say? Winter says that was my. I've seen that movie fifty times. It was my. Yeah. What did she say? I don't know. Something like Star Wars or 
watershed down or something. No, no, like no. It was worse than that. Down. I what? remember her saying it. And I was like, "That's that's so dumb." <laughs> <laughs> I was I like, "The that the, the cops are like, oh, his dick and dick and balls are missing," and they're like, "Oh no, they're not." It they was show. her. It was her baby Einstein. Baby Einstein. Ah, like your parents set you in front of that and just let you watch it again and again and again. Right. Crazy. No wonder your family's so fucked up, mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, so she goes in to confess to these murders, and the cop tells her to get the fuck out of here because she honestly he doesn't believe that she's capable of that. Um, and she goes, "You're under mis- you're underestimating the rage of woman." He goes, "Look, honey, I've been married twenty years." <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's another fun fact. Yeah, uh, I forgot to mention earlier. Before Valerie went to shoot Andy Warhol and do all of the things she did that day, she went to an actress or a producer friend's house. And she told her she planned on killing Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. So this person calls her local police precinct, calls 911, calls Andy Warhol's local police precinct, and then another one just to tell everyone that she's going to go shoot Andy Warhol. Yeah. Guess what everyone's reaction is. Ha. Uh, yeah. You, well, we can't arrest someone just because they want to kill Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. And here's another quote. Listen, lady, how would you even know what a real gun looked like? Hmm. So I just, Yeah. I want I want to disagree with Valerie so much, but like, how can you? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, she is diagnosing society correctly, but her prescription is insane. The opposite of crazy, still crazy. Well, yes. And then, uh, if you read some of like the later, I say like she's how diagnosing society correctly. Oh, okay. You're right. You're right. It's it's she. Killing all men is not the answer. No, no, that, that's that's a prescription that I'm disagreeing. But even you're right, the prescription, like if you if you view the world as a system that man has created to oppress women with some sort of intent, you're going to come up with the wrong conclusion because the reality is these systems kind of arose organically, and they are essentially enslaving us all. Like we are all we like men have it easy when they play their part, but when they don't play their part, they're ostracized. And and I'm not saying that men have it as bad as women, but I'm saying that like the patriarchy bites both ways. Are you writing squam? (laughs) No, I wouldn't bother (laughs) cutting up women. They're, They're obviously no threat and not to be taken seriously. Why would I even put them in my title? Come on. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, I know what you're saying. Now you just now now, I've, now my fragile male ego has been bruised. I don't even want to. <laughs> I don't even want to go on. Uh, so baby says that man. I can't. I forgot how long this part of the episode was. Yeah. She talks. She explains how schizophrenia had finally taken its hold, and it shows that um, you know she she that, that she died alone. And you see like there's a scene where like people are walking. Like she's she's ranting and raving, and people are slowly walking away. You know, like first it's Butchie May, and then it's you know Blackie the Pimp or whatever, whatever her <laughs> name was, and um, she then at the end when she had they depict her of having a stroke while she's hard at work at the typewriter, and there's nothing that's making sense coming out, and she hallucinates Andy Warhol, and she accuses him of taking her legacy, and she's like, "I'm the only thing you're going to be remembered for. I am your legacy," and she strokes out and dies. Why do you keep saying she's having a stroke? Okay, because I looked it up in Wikipedia, and that's what the coroner said she died of, a stroke. Oh. And here they... they Because I thought it said she died of pneumonia. Really? Yeah, she died of pneumonia. Okay, my fault. I thought it was... uh... Either way, it's not how it's depicted here. She died in a hospital. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, Okay. after getting treatment. They they portrayed it as she had this million-dollar baby moment where she collapsed and hits her head, and then that was that. Right. That's more interesting than someone slowly dying of fluid filling up their lungs. So the women, they, they take this this parable that Bebe tells, and they completely swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. Cause uh, I, and I want to say my final thoughts on the real Valerie Solanas and Andy Warhol do. story. Um, Andy Warhol, I guess, lived in fear of Valerie for the rest of his life. Cause, like, Did ten, he? Ten, ten years passed yeah. after she shot him. Mm-hmm maybe 20 and she stalked him oh really the telephone and followed him and other people in the factory crowd Damn. yeah he died 14 months in real life before she did huh uh it makes sense that he would haunt her too interesting i like that 
Uh, so they decide that women in, are just being used as cannon fodder in this cult, and they have to strike back. Uh, they, we then see a scene with Kai sitting by uh, his parents' bedside holding his mom's hands. Did you notice that his, like, there was dead person grime on his hand, the hand that he was holding his mom's when he then went to go... Touch winter. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm like, ah, ah, ah. I'm not even a germaphobe, <laughs> but that's nasty. Can I just say that these women need to they're doing all the wrong things okay like they're being kicked out of one coal so they're ready to jump into another i, I all mean together just head first all of this this character swings are way but, but this is this season and it's kind of american uh, horror story of late is that these characters are not real people they are like characters in a greek play and they do whatever the plot needs them to do right there is no realistic development of there's no multiple episode arc of kai and beverly slowly losing trust to becoming mistrustful of each other and there's no seduction of bebe and like you know then them seeing the truth of her lessons multiple times and accept like there's none of that it's just oh well kai is evil now and hates women and baby comes in and explain it all and now they got this blueprint yeah and also baby is working for kai uh so he talks all this shit about do you think our parents would be proud of me because i got so much pressure and this crown is so heavy and i have to make so many hard choices about changing the world and then uh, you know, Winter has to have several times where she has to pledge her loyalty to her brother and he confronts her with the scum manifesto he found in her room. Excellent, excellent mind games here. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's legit chilling because he says, oh, no, I found – she tries to minimize it as just something she read at Vassar. And he's like, oh, I found it fascinating and inspiring. Maybe I should come up with something like fit, fear is truth or – men, MLWB, women lead – wait, men lead, women bleed. Uh – and then he says, I need more alone time with mom and dad, kicks him out. And as she's walking out, she sa- he says, uh, say hi to the girls for me. Right. Not before blaming the men lead, women bleed. On Harrison. On Harrison. And at, when I was watching this the first time, I'm like, damn, it's crazy how on top of this shit he is. Weird. Like as busy as, but now you know when you find out that he he's he's behind it all with baby, it makes a lot more sense on second watch. Right, exactly. But why isn't Winter just like high alert? Why is she still living in the same house with this guy who very well might kill her? Because obviously they're well. He's I, clearly, I say obviously because that makes you sound like a fucking idiot. Well, goddamn, Cecily. Um, well, clearly, he's going through her belongings. He's right. keeping track of her whereabouts. But don't you think that the scum part two has got? some kind of role that they're wanting to play. Although this news report that we kind of close out on makes it seem like they're deliberately provoking Kai. They're Absolutely. not, they're, they're going after him and telling him his, he, he, if he doesn't play ball, he's they're going, they built him up and they're going to ruin him. So then we see a scene where Ivy has agreed to entertain, uh, uh, Kai at his, Congratulations on winning the small local time election. They weren't closed on Monday. Why are they not closed now? Or why are they not open now? So uh, (laughs) Harrison saying, hey, I've been wanting to like some of these uh, these these brown slash blue shirts are pretty good at welding. I want to make a a, a model of the Iron Throne for Kai to sit on. And Ivy's kind of skeptical about that and says, oh, we really want to have Kai being the king. Uh, and they, the women all show up and say, no, this actually party is in your honor. And they subdue him and tie him to one of the butcher tables. And there's an interesting back and forth he has with Ivy where he's, she's like, you didn't protect Meadow from Kai. And he's like, oh, we're talking about protecting our wives now. And Ivy shoots back. I just drove my wife insane. I didn't try to kill her. She could, have, uh, she could have easily been killed in any of these things, though. I know. And she goes, you of all a gay Amazing. man should know what it's like to be marginalized. And then she, they go to work on him with this fucking industrial saw. And it's, again, what's my least favorite type of horror? Torture porn. This just shit is just gruesome. Super gruesome. They didn't 
they didn't show the sawing through the body though. They just saw like the buckets of blood, blood being well, thrown and, up and, in and, the air. And Harrison just screaming his fool head off when they're cutting through his leg. I mean, maybe I just got an overactive imagination and of course an overdeveloped sense of empathy. But like I did that shit. Ah, cold bloodedly butchering a person alive. I don't think your empathy has to be overdeveloped to <laughs> to feel bad about seeing someone get cut I'm up just, alive. I'm just apologizing for being uh, you know still a bit of a horror a wuss. Man. Apologize for me. Well, if I was a real a man. man, this wouldn't bother me, obviously. Obviously. So. But it's funny that they don't even know the true extent of Harrison's crimes against Meadow. Right. And maybe other people as well. Right. They're accusing him of letting her get talked into dying for Kai when he was more than happy to just kill her himself before yeah. that. Yeah. What was with the whole throwing her in the grave, wake, waking up in a. You know what? Let's just not talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> There should be, I, I have a feeling that at the end of the season, maybe we should take a stab, quote unquote, <laughs> at trying to figure out what the hell the Harrison covered in blood kind of thing was. Okay. Because I have a feeling like that it's going to be just that you're going to chalk it up to the cops were messing with Allie. And, and... That, that's, I'm nope. No? I, I refuse to believe that. That All doesn't right. make any sense. So Bev is covering this, this this gruesome murder that happened at the butchery, and she says that this is a retaliation for Kai's rise to power, and that clearly law and order is not being kept. And dun, dun. Uh, she really takes it to Kai with her media coverage, and Kai's watching, and then he says they're really at their best when they're angry, and the camera uh, pulls back to reveal Bebe sitting beside him watching television, and she says, aren't we all? Uh... What she was in on it the whole time. Is the game, man? What is the ba- what is Bebe's like I understand what Kai is trying to do here, although kind of not really, like at a at a macro level, but what is Bebe's game? Is she really Valerie Plumes? Oh. <laughs> is she really uh yes. Valerie Solanus? She really Valerie Plumes a whole other whole whole other lady with her story. Right. She's been a radical feminist for forty years and this is what she's gonna go out on yeah i'm wondering if you're gonna find out that is baby actually kai's mom no why no. I, so is, is he is she an actor because like i don't understand if she's the real baby then why is she doing this thing with kai we're not meant to understand that yet yeah the, well, i don't even know sure. enough about her sure. as a person to speculate this is but but this is what we do on podcasts we do unfounded speculation not here i'm all facts all the time <laughs> Um, I was wondering if, like, because, you know, I'm always trying to see this through the lens of, like, I'm always trying to see this from the lens of the the satire and the parody. And I wonder if he's saying something about liberals doing what maybe looks like the right thing or feels good for for faulty information. Because these women have been whipped up by this half-baked story of this provocateur and provoked into doing this this act of murder on half-truths and lies, which is the same thing that Kai uses to manipulate everyone. Right. It's almost like, you know, again, like Murphy's got a little bit of a pox on both your houses theory going on here. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think that's his thesis here. Okay. That's kind of nihilist way to look at things, though. Well, I think that's also his point. <laughs> Uh, all right. Do you have anything else you want to say uh, with the episode of, as a whole? No. It's a fractured butthole episode. Fractured butthole? Yeah. And if not, we'll go on to feedback. Uh, you can send in feedback to ahs at baldmove.com. First or up, you can write a manifesto and mail it into us. That's true. That's fine. That's true. But we will only accept manifestos if they're cut from individual magazine words and letters. Yes. I mean, don't fucking cheap out and lazy. Don't go typewriter. Don't go handwritten. Or, you know, you could be creative and make up your own Zodiac language. It's fine. Yeah. I don't have to be able to read it. I just, I just, it just has to have <laughs> has magazine to come from the fonts heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to see, I want to see the sweat equity. I want to see <laughs> the, the macrame and the craftsmanship. Uh, first up, Sadie B. Hey guys, unless you watch, oh, she's talking about last week's episode and our debate about, you know, what was unedited versus what was aired. She goes, unless you watched it when it aired or recording of that, you saw the unedited version. Did it have the disclaimer before the show? The version I bought on Amazon is an unedited version. I saw it live and it was most definitely scary, but the longer version is much more intense. Uh, so that's that's what my confusion was. I typically watch uh, American Horror Story live the first time through. 
and then I watch it the next day on FX now. Yeah. So that's where like I got confused between, but I also don't I don't pay attention to the dis- disclaimers up front. Like I've got this whole like ritual where I'm always doing something until the actual American Horror Story thing comes on and I start paying attention because there's so much. Right. There's commercials before, and there's usually just show they're fast forwarding through the credits of Iron Man three <laughs> or Pirates of the Caribbean four. And who needs all that shit? Like, I hate watching live television. I'm not going to watch a second more than I have to. All your fucking, like, you know, mature language content advisors, all that. Who gives a shit? (laughs) Uh, But thanks for the clarification. Melissa Toro, you're talking about Meadow being at the doctor's office and the little flashback we get, which I think is bullshit. It's either fake or we're only getting a small piece of the truth and we'll see how it's really played out in another flashback. Aaron said something to the effect of, if you're going to crack talking to the police, why wouldn't you crack when it comes to killing yourself? Excellent point. Thank you, Melissa. You're a discriminating listener. Which made me think, perhaps while Meadow was at Dr. Vincent's office, he hypnotized her to make sure she went through with it. Perhaps that's why she seemed in a daze during the shooting. He perhaps activated her or something. Who knows, but it seems like it would have taken more than sweet talk for the strong-headed woman like that to go all the way through with it. I love this theory. I do too, it but I definitely don't sense. think that's what Ryan Murphy did. No. <laughs> it's 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 not the first time that a uh, audience suggestion is actually better than what we'll get in real life. So we're just gonna accept that as bold move canon. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, and I I think it, I think it has a reasonable shot of being true because it does fit all the facts. It shows. You know, Meadow did not seem like Meadow when she was shooting that. She does did seem to be in like a trance. Mm-hmm. There did seem like there's some additional brainwashing going on. Right. So uh I like it. I like it, Melissa. I hope it I hope it's true. Uh he she also says, Why did Allie try to stop her anyway? She should have been relieved someone else was taking care of it. Uh her mistake was trying to stop her and letting herself get in that stupid position of being near the gun. I, I agree. I I think that most no I think that some empathetic people's instinct would be to stop someone from hurting themselves or others. Well, when okay, if if she had plugged uh, Kai and then started turning around and shooting innocent people, and that's when Allie swung into action. But Allie was clearly trying to stop her when she was a. It looked like she was just trying to assassinate Kai, and that doesn't make any sense. Knowing out what Allie knows about Kai. And what he's capable of and what he's done to the town. He's a villain. He should be taken down by any means necessary. If some crazy woman wants to do it for you, why get in her way? Do you hear yourself? And why that would be a bad idea? No, I don't. Why? It's it's a woman who is obviously under some spell or is being terrorized by other people. But she's shooting her her tormentor. She knows her personally. So, I mean, I guess my point is, like, if I knew someone personally that was approaching the stage where, like, Hitler's giving a speech after killing all the Jews, and I knew them personally, I wouldn't want to see them throw away their life for that cause. Well, not cause, but for that person, because it's just letting them win. Hmm. Or the fact that she's, like, your only credible witness to try to talk sense to the police or your therapist or anyone like that and get you out of this jam. So I guess it's like a balance between, like you said, not letting someone throw their their life away for for a monster, but then also if you're in a position to stop history's greatest monster, like there's a there's a balance there, and and you're just saying that if you were in Allie's shoes, you might because Kai's not literally Hitler yet. You would uh, you you wouldn't want her to be in prison or probably shot by police because she's trying to kill Kai. Right. In Allie's mind, she's got a reason. Maybe Meadow's still got some value to her, but not anymore. Yeah. I mean, I guess the tragedy there is the fact that uh, Meadow was never on her side. She's just still being played. Right. Uh, All right. Christine from New Jersey says, what the fuck did I just watch? While I admit I did get a chuckle out of Ivy screaming, we are scum. This might have been my least favorite episode of all time of the entire series, and I sat through Jessica Lange's unending musical numbers and Freak Show. Hey, those were the high points of Freak Show. <laughs> those were good. How dare you? How dare you, Christine from New Jersey? <laughs> I wasn't feeling the Zodiac storyline one bit, and Val- Valerie made me miss Allie's whining. Seriously, hashtag free Allie. Uh, uh, wow. Again, how, wow, how, wow, how wow, dare wow, you, wow. Christine? 
Uh, oh, can we officially say that Ivy and Allie are now worse parents than Rick and Laura in The Walking Dead? Who is watching Oz now? Yeah, That's they... right, especially since they're parading around with their babysitter as well. Yeah, I that's <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. There's been some there's been some bad parents on American Horror Story. Uh, oh yeah, this Ooh, is yeah. this this is pretty bad. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like I I was actually expecting more people to just hate just just hate on Lena Dunham. I thought that you know I I thought she was like really great at this man hating screaming harpy character. Yeah, it's like funny because. I think they're like, oh, God, Lena Dunham is a very complex character who I don't universally admire. Let's put Actor. it this way. Yeah. Um, in like in various various personal and professional roles she's been in. Um, but I feel like that it's it's kind of amusing that she's essentially playing the roles that a lot of like conservatives or, you know, bros would like assume that that's like that she's she's playing the version of herself that's in their head. Right. Which I think is like they is believe Lena Dunham waited in Ryan Murphy's elevator until he got in to right, <laughs> pitch right. herself for this role. Right, pulled a gun on him and said, "Put me on the <laughs> air. I've got. I'm a fame. I'm a, I'm a fame whore. I got. The camera hasn't been on me for six months. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I was expecting more of that. I didn't get a lot of it. This is the only one like super, super negative review I got at the episode. Um. Let's move on to... Oh, the other thing I thought I'd get more of is people being confused about the Zodiac storyline. Because to me, I was too, but as soon as they made... As soon as Bebe turned herself out to be a Kai supporter, like, I just treat her as an unreliable narrator. Right. So, I don't think any of this shit is canon. Like, I think that the hotel, like, the who showed up at JPM's... Hollywood's or Hollywood Halloween soiree is the real Zodiac killer who we don't know the identity of. He was wearing a mask. Exactly. I don't think it's the, this, this it's Maurice or Paul or whoever, whatever dweeb turd was. There's no way. <laughs> and I don't think it was also Valerie or Bebe. Like all, all this stuff is bullshit to, to get, to get Bev and Ivy all twi- and winter all twisted up. Right. That just happened to be the most prolific serial killer um, in San Francisco, and at the time. I wouldn't surprise me if Kai fed the whole. You know, Winter used to be crazy about the Zodiac killers. If you throw that alt history on her, she'll be intrigued. Like all this or the stuff. Valerie Solana, she definitely studied that. In yeah, her study of yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you know, he's got all these ins into her. Hell, he could have found the Scum Manifesto weeks ago and just waited for, you know, read through it and and hired. I don't know this. I don't. I, I keep on saying hired in terms of of Bebe, but she doesn't feel like an actor. I, I don't know who she is or what her background is. He I enlisted her. enlisted her, and I don't know. Like I don't think she's the real Bebe though. If that's even a real person, if that's even a real thing, because I that's the other thing. Is like I I meant to look up and see if there was this Bebe. I forget her last name, but they, they it's in the credits. Uh, if this was a real kind of like notable lover of Valerie um, Solanus, I could not find that information. Yeah. I mean, this way lies madness, I guess. We're yeah. going to start speculating on who's telling the truth and what the narration is reliable or not. Yeah. Uh, Brian S. Uh, takes us home, says, okay, I'll just come out and right out and say it. I did not watch the whole episode. I saw maybe 75% and then fell asleep in my recliner. But who can blame me? I get up at 4.20 a.m. to run five miles. <laughs> Blaze it. Then, ce- <laughs> <laughs> then celebrate my birthday like an adult and I went to work. Happy birthday! All of those Wait, fucks. Are all those- how does one celebrate their birthday like an adult? Um, I think he Before means, like, work. I think he means he, went, he just, just went to work. Like, you know, adults don't celebrate their birthdays, oh. which I think is hashtag fake news. Uh, are all these fucks worth it to have this show air after people with babies should be in bed? Probably so. Regardless of my state of conscience during the week's foray into madness, hot, t- hot takes must be made. And he offers three. Lena Dunham. Plus, I just got to say, get up at 420 a.m., run five miles. Congratulations. There's, there's, there's the, you're, you're a, you're a fine, healthy person who's going to live into their old age. A braver man than I am. And, and or I, he'll ruin his knees. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell myself that you'll be crippled by the time you're 45 <laughs> and my fat ass will still be nimble and, and healthy in my seventies. But anyway, 
Lena Dunham must have had a blast of this role. All those things she may or may not secretly feel about the patriarchy could come out and nobody can be mad. Back when I was watching Fox News or as a Fox News watching conservative, I think this is what I understood Lena to be as a real person. She's not that like that in real life, right? I mean, I think Lena's heart's in the right place, but she's super pretty oblivious about her own privileges. Exactly. And like sometimes I think the younger white women can get hung up in the oppression of patriarchy and feel and, and forget lose sight of the fact that, yeah, but there is still like at the top of the privilege pyramid, except for the sex thing. Like, like, you know, like, like the way they talk, like it makes like black women and Latino women and disabled women and trans women, like kind of roll their fucking eyes out of the back of their head. Right. But that's what all, you know, that's the whole, like, if you hear the buzzword intersectionality, that's what that's about. It's all like, you know, trying to recognize these systems as as interlocking systems. They're not just like, you know, what am I trying to say here? There's always someone that has it worse than you. And white women should be grateful for the sexism they receive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like... The thing with here's the thing, Lena Dunham and and people because it's not just conservative Fox News watching people that hate him too. Like you go around like super up their ass liberal sites, um, they find Lena Dunham problematic too. And what I think from the sidelines is that it's interesting that this woman who has been very young and powerful and wealthy at an early age, like, is not allowed to be a bad person. Like, hit, like, like, entertainment's full of, of bad people that make great art, and we overlook that. But, like, this woman has to be perfect in addition to talented and ambitious and successful. Right. Does I that mean, make sense? Yes. Like, you, that's kind of a, a sexist point of society in itself. You can only write and create from your own experiences, but that doesn't discount anyone else's as being true. Right. So... I don't know. I don't think. Like, like, I think people put too much on Lena Dunham yeah. when they called her the voice of a generation when right. she wrote Girls. But it right. was like, and she didn't go out and say like maybe she bought into her own press. But shit, people do that all the time, right. and no one makes it like an issue. No one like gleefully plots their demise. It's just like you know, it's something that happens, right? But it's like you know, there's no winning. It's like with Barack Obama is essentially the perfect ideal American man in terms of mainstream. Like he has beautiful children and uh, a very smart and successful wife who's supportive and he's never cheated on her and he's been married and he's, you know, he's like done everything right. And the response was, well, he's not a real American. He's literally not right. like, you know, like, oh, they've, they, they've tricked us with this fucking uh, upright and, and honest and, and, and intelligent and well-spoken black man. He's not, even a, he's not even a real American. Those don't exist in America. It's like, it's very insidious, this shit. Exactly. So she's just, she's just an imperfect person who creates art. Uh, favorite line from the old lady just serial. Just like Ryan Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like Andy Warhol. Just like Andy Warhol. Just uh, like Harvey Weinstein. Just like I was... <laughs> I, I was I was weighing this, the 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 balance about making that joke myself, and I'm I'm glad you did. Just like Woody Allen, just, just like, like Bill Cosby, just like yeah, just like you're back home, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like we're we are an interesting tipping point where I think as a society we're starting to have this larger conversation of like why do we tolerate this bullshit from certain people? Like from a lot of people, it turns out. Yeah, from a lot of people, and like it's it's like a self-selecting system. Like no one gets punished for this bad behavior. So is it really like you can't be an artist without being this massive asshole? Or since we overlook that stuff, it's kind of like the self-selecting thing where like well, people can get away with it, and there's no punishment system, and the rewards are all fucked up. So like, why do you know we're just we're just all going to act this way? Right. Um. I don't know. It's interesting to see if it's actually going to stick. What a time to be alive. Because that's the thing is like if it was if it was just one side of a political spectrum upholding a system or the other, I don't think it could hold. Like the reason all this like sexism and violence against women and just boorish, disgusting behavior is tolerated in Hollywood is because Hollywood tolerates it. Right. If they, you know, 
And I mean, it's sort of encouraged or, you know, it's like a tongue in cheek joke. Like, well, the only way to the top is to sleep your way up. And yeah, th- those old oh, cliches. Harvey, Harvey stood over your bed, and masturbated all over you while you were asleep. Well, that's just what Harvey well, at does. At least he didn't touch you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just Harvey. Oh, just and him. if you're going to be in his movie, you know, you got you get it's it's I don't know. Are we are, are we going to keep doing that? I, I don't know. We're kind of hanging in the balance and we'll see whether this gains traction and continues to move forward, or we sweep it under the rug till the next one. By right, the way, like, Brian Singer probably molested a bunch of teenage boys Brian Singer over the last boys. two decades. Yes. Uh, and who knows who else? Right. I mean, I, it looks like from the buzz on the internet that that's kind of going to be the next thing to break, hopefully. I'm, I'm going to stick to so we kind of just break away and talk about random social issues in the middle of email. I've been... I feel like, and I'm at, uh, this is going to sound incredibly insufferable and up my ass, but like I do a lot of reading about society and culture. And like five years ago, I remember talking to my friends, I was like, is anybody paying attention to like the fact that neo Nazis are starting to make a comeback? Like they're really carving out these niches on the internet and they're praying after young people that don't know any better. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, pff, tell, like wake me up when they're marching in the streets. And they're fucking marching in the streets. Like right. three years ago, I started following these stories. It looks like there's a credible case that there is this secret cabal of wealthy and powerful and politically connected people that are running pedophile rings at the highest levels. Three years ago, you said? Yeah, I started. And and I'm not saying it just started three years ago. I'm saying that's when it started to come out. And then there was like this big scandal in Britain. It's kind of largely been swept under the rug and like allegations that it's also running out of New York and 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 Hollywood and like connected political figures are involved. And I'm just wondering, like, if two years from now, if that's going to be the thing where like. Oh, yeah, everyone knew this was happening and nobody did anything about it. Right. It's so commonplace to everyone. It doesn't matter how well-connected you are. I mean, there are, even in America, there is a lot of sex trafficking that goes on. Right. People just get snatched from their homes and they're sold to European countries or, you know, vice versa. We have lots of these sex slaves here in america and and wealthy businessmen that fly to thailand Thailand. and singapore and thing and like this is kind of an open secret exactly why are we as a society tolerating this this is the word like we all agree that like like people that hurt children are the worst of the worst but we are allowing this to happen or i mean you the listener or someone you or someone you know or you yourself have been a victim Uh of one of these crimes Uh uh-huh it's just so commonplace. And what do you think disgusting. of this? What do you think about this Me Too thing that's happening this week? I thought it was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I participated. It's also stunning. Yeah, it's also stunning to see how many. And there's also this counter thing where men are coming forward and saying that, yeah, we did. Like I, like I saw this one uh, guy passed this this image list that showed like all ways you can intimidate or sexual harass or, or abuse a woman, and he passed it around with the like you know Me Too kind of like you know. Right. So it's like I've been guilty. Yeah, like uh there is like this weird period of like this truth and reconciliation process where we're all like trying to get over that initial defensiveness of like, well, f- I didn't mean to or I didn't you, you shouldn't have taken it that way and just like taking a step back and like, oh shit, this is happening and and I'm part of it. Right. I don't know, maybe 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 we will make progress. It's the first step towards, well, you know what? You don't have to pay me a full dollar yet. Just stop making me feel unsafe <laughs> to be alive. <laughs> oh, you're wanting reparations now? <laughs> oh, the fuck that. Um anyway, uh where were we? Oh yes, Brian S. Your last line here. Brian Singer? No, Brian. <laughs> it is not Holy Brian Singer. Holy shit, full circle. Uh, favorite line from the uh, old lady serial killer, give me a ring a ding when you're ready to hear the truth, sister. Who wrote that? Probably Murphy. Murphy loves writing shit like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, the 70s film squad stabbing this poor couple to death is absolutely ghastly. In fact, all of the murders this week seem more graphic than usual. I Yeah, I, I feel like maybe, maybe it's more like when it's supernatural, it doesn't feel as real. But when you're seeing people just like dismember people with knives, it's, 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 it's just... It's, it's just right. very cold blooded. Yeah. That could happen to you. That could be happening in, in your local butchery slash yeah. restaurant. And it's and it's up close and personal. It's not like someone shooting a gun. It's it's uh it's 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 bad news. Right. Did you think You were right though. That butchery is a great place to kill people and mm-hmm. the exact reason it exists. Yeah. I wonder if... what is that two two, three bodies in that freezer? Yeah. So far? Yeah. Also 
Well, I mean, I'm not going to say this as a because this is I just it, the fact that Ivy, who is so squeamish about violence, is now gleefully dismembering someone because she's like mainlining mainlining radical feminism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hell, just, it's a hell of a drug. Yeah, just chasing that high. Yeah, uh, and she's going to have to kill more and more men uh, going forward to 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 get back to that place. Um, all right. Well, I, like I said, this was a pretty like. This is a pretty intriguing turn of events for for the finale stretch of American Horror Story, and I feel like you know, like they do in most seasons, I'm reinvested into the mystery and kind of like, okay, the mechanics of the plot probably going to be disappointed, but they they got me hooked in time for Halloween, and they always their their Halloween episodes always tend to be their strongest. Right. So I'm looking forward to the climax. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else to say? Not today. All we've right. We've said a lot. We'll be back with another one next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. See ya.